Okay. Welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. I'm Christine Backus. I'm super excited to have Belinda Noakes with me again today. It's tonight for me and this morning for you. Hi, Belinda. <laughs> Great to see you. Yeah, I know. I love seeing you. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, so a little bit of my spiel, right? Thanks for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate people um, coming on and paying attention and listening to this. It feels really good to have you out there. And um, we're going to start tonight. Well, I just want to remind you that this podcast is all about helping you remember who you are, connect with your natural wisdom. And that means like aligning with all the natural cycles of the, of nature and the cosmos. And then tonight, Belinda is going to talk about some of her exciting offerings. And we're going to compare some notes on our journeys because they've been shockingly similar in some ways. Um, before we get to that, I'm just going to start with a really short grounding exercise because both of, both of us feel like we could benefit from it. We are an hour out from uh, our, an hour past a, a new moon in Sagittarius. And I'll talk briefly about that. So there's a lot of like energetic movement right now. So let's just take a moment, no matter where you are listening to this, um, obviously if you're doing something where you can't close your eyes, don't close your eyes. If you can, and you could stop for a moment, then you can gaze down or close your eyes and then just my favorite way to ground is just to feel what's going on in your body and just to bring all of your awareness and attention into your physical sensations for a moment. Just notice whatever you're sitting on or standing on, maybe feel into the soles of your feet and feel that contact with the planet, no matter where you are. Even if you're in an airplane, whatever you're feeling under your seat or your feet is the earth, the earth's gravitational pull or the earth itself. And so just sink into that for a moment and let yourself really land, land in your physical sensations, land in your body. And maybe just pay attention to your breath for two or three breaths. And remember that it's always there, always available to help you come into the here and now. And with that, let me just start with, um, I just want to mention a couple of things about this new moon that was literally about an hour ago. Um, it was at uh, 357 mountain time. Um, and it was right at the very beginning of Sagittarius, the sign of Sagittarius, the sun and moon came to get together for that new moon, which, as you know, um, again, is one of the cycles that we follow, right? We can follow the moon cycles through the month. And the new moon is always a new beginning. And it's the great thing, in my view, the best thing about this new moon is it closes out eclipse season for the whole year, actually. So we're just... I know, woohoo, right? We can all celebrate because that, at least for some of us, it was an especially intense uh, time. And the other great thing about this particular new moon, it's ruled by the planet Jupiter because Jupiter rules Sagittarius. And, and Jupiter right now is still in like the final moments of its um, pass, its second pass in Pisces, which it also rules. And Jupiter just 
like five minutes after the new moon stopped and started in direct motion. It's been in retrograde motion for a couple of months now. And so we're getting like an extra strong dose of Jupiter, partly because the new moon is in Jupiter's sign, partly because Jupiter is stopping and stationing and, and like giving us an extra Jupiter dose and partly because Jupiter's in its own sign. So this is a very expansive, uh, it's a time of opportunity. It's a time of, it's like a great, great time to start something new, which is now I'm going to just launch into why it's so exciting to have Belinda because Belinda, you're starting something new. And let me just say, for those of you that don't know Belinda, um, we've known each other since 2014 when we met at something called the Soul Fire Retreat, which we will probably talk a little bit about. Um, Belinda has been a therapist and a coach now for about a decade, and she has these incredible healing modalities that she works with, um, including the compassion key and something called non-personal awareness, which I think we've talked about on the show and you've actually demonstrated for us on the show. And as uh, people know, if you've been listening for a while, I've, I'm just in my phase two of compassion key training and it's been life-changing for me. And of course, all the work I've done with you, Belinda, and all the sessions I've received from you are part of that life-changingness. Um, it's, it, they're awesome modalities. And you're, the other thing I wanna say is that you are one of the people when I think about all the healers and all the, you know, people I interact with, you probably have a better understanding of different mo um, dimensions of experience and different dimensions of energy than anybody else I know. I mean, you just have a real gift for that. And yeah. <laughs> We could talk about your, your chart, you know, and maybe someday we will, but, um, it's clear that you just have a real power with that. Um, and the, uh, the last, the last thing I want to mention is that I know that what you're working on has the name of tiny brave. And of course I know a little bit about that because I was an ardent follower of your blog when you had the tiny brave blog some years ago. Um, so now that I've talked about you, and there's so many th more things I want to say about our par parallel stories, but I first want to just ask you, how, how else would you describe yourself? And let's just start with what's Tiny Brave about? How did the name come about? And let's just start there and see where we go. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, Tiny Brave started in 2014, just before the Soul Fire Retreat. I went to a conference called Tongue in Cheek called um, the World Domination Summit in <laughs> Portland, of course. <laughs> and it was, a, it, was a, it was a very sweet event that I went to a couple of years running um, that I enjoyed immensely and saw some great speakers there. And there was one speaker in 2014 and now I can't even remember his name but he he made a presentation about courage and bravery and I was at that stage uh, three years three and a half years out of my corporate life and he gave everybody in the audience like 3,000 people he gave 
us, it was a, I think it was a domino, like a, a little um, cellular domino with the, the blank side painted. He had hand painted 3,000 of these things and put a little kind of robot thing on. And they were, every one of them was different. We each got one and he called it the brave bot. And he said, here, everybody gets to have one of these and take it away with you. And what you got to do with your brave bot is do something that feels scary and and use this use the little brave bot as uh you know inspiration motivation etc and i'd been thinking about starting a blog but for whatever reason it felt scary and um I don't even remember where Tiny Brave came from, but it was definitely inspired, like it, Tiny Brave was inspired by the Brave Bot that he gave us. And, in fact, the first blog post that I made had a picture of the Brave Bot in it. I remember it. Um, and then, and so that was a month before we met at the Soulfire retreat. And then the Tiny Brave blog kind of took on a, a different life after that retreat because I started writing about my personal process. And, I mean, I look back on it now and, you know, there are definitely some posts that, I, <laughs> that I'm tempted to kind of cringe about because there was some oversharing and some, you know, <laughs> some other stuff that I, I would do differently now, but it was... um it's it's taken me to be honest it's taken me I'm going to say 50 years to really acknowledge my level of sensitivity to other people's emotions to other people's energies to multi-dimensional energies to my my environment um and so because I I didn't have a handle on that for a long time I tended to just keep everything to myself and so writing a um a blog about these intensely personal kind of inner experiences and realizations was a real edge for me at the time and it you know, that's one of the reasons why it kind of felt like one of the bravest things that I could do at that point. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this have probably had that experience of writing something and putting it out there. And as somebody who's still got a blog and did my own, um, and of course having the podcast, right. There's, I still get a little bit jittery sometimes when I hit the publish button button, whether it's on the podcast or the blog or sending out a newsletter, I still can get a little bit of that. Oh my gosh, what are people going to think? And um, yeah, so I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, I'm wondering, I want to say uh, a couple of things about our parallel journeys, just because it's fascinating to me. And then maybe that can help us lead into this whole concept of super sensitivity too, because I don't think I, well, I didn't own my sensitivity. And in fact, I haven't had a spiritual teacher 
essentially shame me over being too sensitive, you know, at, at one point too. And yeah, but, but, you know, just to say what soul fire was with Sarah Beak and some people listening to this may know Sarah, um, that was S E R A and then B E A K. She has written several books and was quite a spiritual teacher leader for a while in that world. And I don't, you know, I don't know how you, um, explain it, but to me, that was like a major wake up call about my, I'd left corporate world exactly the same time you did. Then we both went to India twice even to the same place at about the same time. And then we both end up at soul fire. And I'm guessing that you had sort of a similar realization that I did that my spiritual quest was just like a mirror of my corporate quest to reach some uh, great attainment or some big goal, you know, like uh, enlightenment and perfection. And soul fire was like a big, uh, yeah, that's just more, um, masculine, weird spirit. It was essentially recognition of spiritual bypassing and a recognition that what I was looking for out there is in here, thus the natural wisdom and the soul. So, yeah, yeah. It's, um, oh, so many answers coming at once. Um, <laughs> it amuses me so much that we were in India at the same time at this in the same place which is this little town built around or at the base of this holy mountain in the south of india called mount arunachala um which in hindu um, mythology is the feet of shiva and and we were hanging around the same ashram you know connecting with the spirit of a de- of the same departed guru <laughs> the same saint um and i mean it's likely that we were in the same coffee shop the same cafes drinking chai you know like one couch over from each other <laughs> right <laughs> wow. or even in the caves meditating on the mountain at exactly the same time like right. Yeah, um, yeah. as you say, two trips to India for me in the space of a year. I had been there already during my corporate career, but that was, this was the first time that I'd been there as a, a tourist and certainly the first time that I'd been there as a spiritual tourist, which is a whole different way to see India. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it was a super powerful experience for me. I mean, I got a lot out of it. Uh, huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was still, I mean, I would do it again in a heartbeat, but. Well, and I also did some, I did some incredibly stupid things. Like, <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> I literally stood in the Ganges, not the dirty bit down the bottom, but it, but the, the, glacial melt up near Rishikesh right and dunked myself in the Ganges along with 120 other very earnest western spiritual seekers all dressed in white yeah cringing a little bit as I'm telling this story um I stood in that river and said Ma Ganga (laughs) 
take it all and leave only love. Which is, yeah. And, and <laughs> so, I mean, I was, I thought I was sincere about that. But one of the things that I now find kind of funny about it is that I did not really take the Indian pantheon of gods and goddesses seriously at that point because anybody who does doesn't make that kind of prayer because because my ganga delivered for me like my my life was just completely <laughs> dismantled over the following years until until I it only started to turn around when I remembered that prayer and went and undid it didn't have to go to the Ganges to undo it but you know I <laughs> I asked an Indian goddess to take my life apart and she did <laughs> yeah 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 I get it I get it because it's a, a lack of understanding of what we're here for and who we are and what we're yeah. Really doing yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and it was, I mean, yeah, I, I, I felt when, you know, when I connected with Ramana Maharshi on different occasions, I felt a kind of love, a particular flavor of love that I hadn't felt anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It didn't, I mean, The way I'm going to say that it's not necessarily intrinsically about that saint or the the non-dual tradition even that he that he is a part of, but the way that I was approaching it certainly, it took me out of my body and out of my life rather than deeper into my body and deeper into my life, and that was um, ultimately profoundly unhelpful. It might have been useful in that I got to experience it firsthand and then learn from it, um, but it it's I I certainly then moved on to a different kind of um, a different approach to um, and a different idea of what spiritual experiences actually are and and should right. be. And that and that's where Soulfire comes in, right? Because Soulfire just dumped me back into my body and my life, not completely and forever, but you know, it was such an antidote, such a kind of a shot in the arm, uh, you know, in terms of all the transcendent kind of new agey stuff that I dived into straight after my corporate career ended. Um Soulfire showed me a different way. Yeah, and I the way I understand it is for me, and it sounds similar for you, is it's like the relationship with the searching, right? The relationship that we have with spirituality and searching. It's it's that looking everywhere else but here for the answers. And even, you know, even Ramana Maharshi, one of his fundamental teachings was you're already there. It's, it's your idea that you're not there that's causing you the trouble and causing you the pain. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, so a, a lot of the, I'm going to say a lot of the new age, 
a lot of teachers and teachings in the new age will tell you that it's the big transcendent experiences and the big flashy breakthroughs that come with spiritual fireworks that are the only things that are worth pursuing. And, you know, it's like it's like you get bonus points for those, right? Yep, and you're trying to get into a permanent state of those big breakthroughs, and which yeah. is exactly... I mean, you and I have talked enough. I mean, I think this is exactly what you're working on, right? Is that that doesn't work. Well, it it's, <laughs> it's a little more nuanced than that, just in that I don't want to give anybody the idea that big breakthroughs aren't valuable, yeah, and that they can't and that and we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. The problem is, A, when when you pursue big breakthroughs at the expense of your life, at the expense of paying attention to the details of your life, that usually ends pretty badly from what I've observed in my own life and in, you know, clients' lives, yeah, and yeah. friends, yeah. Yeah, um, beautifully put. And, and, and the other thing in terms of its relationship to empaths and highly sensitive people and star seeds and light workers and all of those who I just class as super sensitive, right? That's my umbrella term for all, all of those people and whatever other labels you can think of. Big breakthroughs are particularly problematic for super sensitive people who of course are exactly the people who are seeking them the most <laughs> because when you have a highly sensitive nervous system, those big rushy spiritual experiences with a lot of fireworks, they're hard to handle at the time and they're quite hard to integrate. Yeah. Yeah. And they can be misleading, at least in my experience, right? They take you off. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, I mean, you know, if you have an adrenaline addiction, which quite a lot of people who have had severe trauma, you know, will have, right. It's, it's quite a, it's a relatively common response to a fairly severe adverse childhood event or you know a traumatic experience if you've got an adrenaline addiction there is such a trap in chasing those big transcendent experiences because you just you're basically just looking for drugs yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 that's beautifully yep that's, I, I have to say, that's my experience too. And what I've found is that those really big transcendent out of body experiences can often, they get attractive and they give me the signal, the wrong signal. Whereas the smaller, more embodied, um, like realizations or, you know, things that feel more subtle but still like these little moments of truth that my body feels that's when I know it's really something for me yeah it's almost it's almost like in a sense in some ways it's actually easier to get the big transcendent the big rushy fireworks experience and it's harder to have that realization or whatever it was embedded into your day-to-day -day experience in such a way that it shows up 
in the really subtle layers of your lived felt experience yeah 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 so, you know I can I can have a big cathartic process about the, my relationship with my mother for example right um and I can cry buckets of tears and you know wail and pull my hair and all, all of that kind of um emoting that happens um and that's a that's a certain kind of achievement to have that big kind of subjective emotional release. Mm-hmm. But there's another type of achievement <laughs> in inverted commas, which is to be able to go and have a cup of tea with my mother on a Saturday afternoon and have a conversation with her. And for me to be able to allow her to be exactly as she is and who she is without once getting triggered by a single thing that she says that I don't personally agree with. Yeah. Beautiful example. And it reminds me of the quote that I know you've heard and probably so many people on the spiritual path have heard that if you want to know if somebody is is really, truly, quote unquote, enlightened, ask their spouse or their family and or you know go home for go home for the holidays and see how you do that yeah, i think it was pretty sure it was ramdas who said if you think you're enlightened go spend a week with your parents yeah yeah and it's such a great example right because it's really easy to to be enlightened while you're sitting in meditation well or on you know on retreat or on retreat for a week you know or or, or in a cave in a mountain in south india you know <laughs> yeah, exactly or you know alone in the wilderness or alone in the park you know yeah with nature then it's really easy to be enlightened you know yep. yeah yeah <laughs> so so you've been turning this into um i mean you've been taking these observations and like i say that incredible insight into all these different levels of experience and then turning it into your work and really um, learning about how to work with people like us who are super sensitive and how, you know, I think the other thing that I can say safely is that, I mean, empathy and sensitivity are often treated like handicaps. And I really get that you don't see it that way. You don't, you no longer, even if you did at one point, experience it that way. So I'd love to hear you talk more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the first realization for me really was about the big breakthroughs versus the kind of subtle everyday lived and felt experience. And then And then there was some realizations about my own sensitivity and how I had handled it or not handled it um, that were really instructive. So just to to do a really quick kind of history because it's not the main point of the story, but um, I have some very entangled stuff with my, my birth family, you know, my blood family um, that comes from my childhood one of my sisters um, became very ill when we were children 
um, when I was nine, she was younger than me. She became very ill. And then when I was 16, uh, she died. So she was sick for a very long time, uh, you know, nearly eight years. And um, I just did not realise, I didn't even begin to realise until I was well into my 40s that I had, as a child, as a nine-year-old, I had um, been taking on um, pain from other family members and taking it from them and either transmuting it or if I couldn't do that, then storing it in my body. And I had no idea that I was doing it. It was something that happened almost kind of instinctually out of my conscious awareness. Um, and I also, I mean, I had no idea that what I was feeling, the intensity of the of the feelings that were coming up for me around the whole situation when she was diagnosed and as she was sick and then uh, when she died, I had no idea that I was feeling everybody else's stuff as well as my own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there was a pattern in place for me of taking on stuff from immediate family. <clears throat> and I didn't see it really clearly until a few years ago when my grandfather died. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I happened to go and see um, a lovely uh, medical intuitive guy who was in his 70s at the time, the week after my grandfather had died. And I walked in and he did his usual scan of me and he said, what the, what the hell have you been doing? He said, every organ system is compromised with grief and it's from your family. What? He's like, is this what you do with them? And I, and I just kind of looked at him and said, I don't know, Gordon. I, and <laughs> and he said, oh, you've got to stop doing that. <sighs> and and so, you know, he cleared a bunch out of my body that day, but then it was so shining the light of awareness on it, you know, was incredibly powerful because then I had something that I could work with. Then I realised why as I had been working as a practitioner, I was getting exhausted doing sessions with people because I was literally like helping, again in inverted commas, by soaking up the client's pain, right? Really bad idea if you're a therapist. Um, <laughs> and and I, I mean, I just had no idea that I was doing it because it's just how I navigated the world, right? I would take on other people's, yeah, it's a familiar story for anybody who does it, I think. Um, so. It was, I think it was a three months or something until we had my grandfather's memorial service. Um, and that's when all the extended family came in. People flew in from interstate, et cetera. And I got to do the eulogy. Mm -hmm. And so there's my mother and her siblings and lots of cousins and old, some old friends of the family. And, and I remember standing up in the little hall. My grandfather was very old, so it wasn't a large funeral because nearly, nearly everybody that he knew had already died. Um, he was 99 when he died. Um, uh, but I remember standing up the front and I was aware going into it of this intention now to not take on other people's stuff, yeah? And so I stood at the lectern 
and I had my notes and I and I just looked out at the audience and I could feel I, I got hit with a wave of everybody's grief but I could feel that it was theirs mm. not mine and it was one of the first times in my life where I'd had that clear differentiation like I'm and, and I didn't have my heart completely closed off like I was open to experiencing it but I was letting it pass through me rather than kind of being a magnet for it and then trying to suck it in and hold it and I and I burst into tears and everybody thought that I I you know was in grief about my grandfather and I wasn't really because he was really old and I he was in pain and I was actually really happy for him that that wasn't happening anymore um the 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 tears, the emotion for me was more about being able to let them all sit in their grief and not feeling like I had to help them with it other than by offering them, you know, the best set of words that I could put together about him and his life. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's a very, that's just touches me, that story. And I remember you telling me about it at the time, but that's, that's such a lovely story. And it makes me think about two things. One is that I think for all of us, but especially sensitive people, it's critical. I mean, I think part of our like first life work is to learn who we are and what we feel like, like knowing myself, knowing what I feel like. And I just, my last podcast episode was about how and you and I have talked about this, how each one of us is our own absolutely unique frequency of energy, or you can think of us like our own unique musical chord, you know, we're our own unique blend of notes. And until and unless we know what our frequency feels like, it's very hard, you know, even at the physical level, right? This is why people can't digest food so often because I don't know who I am. So my gut doesn't know what's me and what's not me or what needs to become me and what needs to not become me. So that's the first thing that I think about is how critical that is. But the other piece, and you said it, um, you said that your heart wasn't completely closed. And I know that that's another piece of what you're working with is that, you know, as empaths and sensitives, I think so often we think it's about boundaries. And when we think about boundaries, we think about putting up walls. And you, I know, have really been delving into this, you know, how do you not do that? And so maybe you could talk about that piece of your work too, because it's it's really powerful stuff. Yeah. So from my own process and from working with a lot of super sensitives doing, you know, trauma, essentially trauma release work is what I do, right? Um, and and in and working with a lot of them in a short space of time over the last year, let's say, I've been able to spot something that I hadn't seen before. I hadn't it, it so the this may happen for everybody. It it may happen for everybody and it may just be particularly debilitating for super sensitives. Okay. For super sensitive humans. I don't, I'm not clear about that part yet. 
But what I am clear about is that super sensitive humans whose lives are not yet as they would like them to be, <laughs> so far it seems to be 100% of the time have one or more of these things that I'm calling heart locks. So, so it's a it's a heart shut down, a heart locking, a heart closing in response to some kind of traumatic event, um, you know, and or a heart, I mean a heartbreak. Yeah. But the there's something really counterintuitive about this in terms of super sensitive humans. Because if you ask the average very sensitive empath if their heart is closed that they will almost be offended <laughs> and they will say no my heart is not closed my problem is that my heart is too open and I am too porous and you know everything gets in and I'm completely undefended yeah yep. <laughs> so the way that I've observed that it is that it works is that these are this weird one-way heart lock that allows love to flow out of our hearts. So we keep giving to the world, you know, as therapists, as family members, as etc., as friends. Um, but the lock works on the way back in. There's no circuit happening. So what we give out to the world doesn't get returned to us. And I have a feeling that this is why so many super sensitive humans are, I'm just going to say, single with a string of bad relationships with narcissists behind them and um, poor or possibly broke. Yeah. 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 Because because the love and the money energy literally can't find its way in. Yeah. So there's you know there's more to explain about that, but that's that's the this heartlock thing feels to me like a a puzzle piece that has been useful for my own process that can be useful for others. Yeah. I I love that you used the word undefended too because I think I've mentioned this to you recently that one of the concept it's not really a concept because it's something I feel is this idea of being undefended because I I you know like many sensitive people I'm very good at guarding myself exactly in the way you describe right exactly in the way you describe and working with the feeling and I'm pointing to my chest because this is where I feel it of being undefended is really edgy. It's very scary. And I, I can't, I mean, I probably could talk about why, but I'm not going to try to go into it. But it, it, that's what it feels like is it, is it feels like this. It's a vulnerability, right? It's a vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. And so I love that, that concept. And I think that rings very true to me that it's, it's all one way. And because we think we have to defend right and guard and block you're right nothing i mean money can't get in and love can't get in and because yeah. we're we're trying to keep out the painful stuff yeah i mean it's a it's a big thing for most super sensitive humans to to be able to trust 
other people and love and life enough yeah. to, to be able to be undefended. You know, so back to the thing about big breakthroughs, right? Right. Um, I, I, I no longer believe that there's a silver bullet for that. I, I no longer believe in the model that says you just need to open your heart and then everything will be fine, right? I, I, I really have a conviction now that the heart doesn't move in giant leaps. The heart moves in these tiny, brave steps, yeah, and it's feeling its way. Is this safe? Is it not? Can I can I take a step further today, yeah? This is a process that requires time and a whole lot of compassion for ourselves and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, gentleness, yeah? Like, um, yeah. So I wonder if that's part of the power of the compassion key, which, you know, that that process of self-directed compassion is that it's a process of allowing in love and compassion. It's from yourself to yourself, but it's the it's the practice of opening and allowing and receiving that that. I mean, how many how many of us actually do that? I mean, that's it's been utterly amazing to me how powerful just a simple practice of offering yourself compassion can be yeah and it's you know it's proving to be pretty effective at helping people to locate and and open these heart locks yeah um, yeah, yeah it, as you know it's not the only modality that I use but it um but I, I don't have a large bag of tools that I use, right? There's a two or three things that I really rely on and it's because they, they work. <laughs> they work, absolutely they work. I can say from experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you've got this big, um, you're in this, you're in a complete new beginning phase with your business and you know what you offer. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, but you're launching it in a new way. And it's to address specifically the heart locks. And yeah, can you just talk to us a little bit about like, what is it that you're doing? What, what, yeah, just talk to us about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, well, so, you know, what it feels like I have is some, some observations and some insights that I haven't seen anybody else yep. describing, certainly not in the way that I'm describing them. So, so the first step really is just to actually share them with people, yeah? And so, so my tiny brave move for the month of December is to run a couple of free uh, um, I mean, they're webinar presentations, yeah, where I where I will actually, they're not clearing calls. We're not going to do the work on the calls. I'm actually just going to talk to people about um, what it means to be super sensitive, what I understand that to be, um, how to tell if you're super sensitive, um, uh, 
what how to tell if you've got a heart lock um or more than one um and 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 how how you can go about um uh, working with a heart lock yeah and what it means to like what it means to to talk about tiny brave moves and to place value on tiny brave moves to see the value of tiny brave moves versus only seeing value in big breakthroughs and and you know what a what a tiny brave approach to personal development and doing the inner work actually can look like yeah so i've got a couple of events um a couple of call i'll do a couple of calls in the second week of December, I should have the dates in my head, but um, it'll be uh, the, so in Australian time, it's the 15th and 16th of December. Um, subtract a day if you're in the States. <laughs> and, you know, the the link to a, if you're interested, the link to a sign up page will be in the, your show notes, I think, Christine. Yeah. yeah, it'll be right there. So you'll be able to go right to it. Yeah, so that's the start is really just, you know, I'm going to share some information with people for, for free, you know, um, help people get an understanding of some of the stuff that I've discovered and see if it's useful. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you're also doing this through Facebook a little bit too, right? Can people join your Facebook group? They can. Yeah. I recently started a private Facebook group um, where, so Every other week, I do what I call a reset clearing, which is which is I, I put a post up one day in the week and I ask everybody how's their heart doing and you can put a comment and tell me how you're doing and what you're struggling with. And then a couple of days later, I get on and do a live where I just do 10 minutes of group clearing based on the themes that people have reported, yeah? And I call them reset clearings because... We're not diving deep into the roots of established patterns necessarily, but we're but we're we're, we're looking to just kind of reset your day to day experience, yeah. So that's every other week, and then in the weeks in between, we're going to be we're we're about to start doing, well, really having a conversation, so a broader conversation about some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about in the in the live calls, um, you know, about okay, what does it mean? to what does it mean to be a super sensitive human what does it mean to be in a human body in this reality at this time with so much of the old reality either in active decline or actually crumbling around us mm -hmm. yeah like this is this is harder for super sensitive humans than for some other people who are less sensitive because we tend to feel what's happening in our families and in the collective you know in our workplaces and in the collective more so than other people do so it's important to be I mean the first step is just to be aware of that and then I'm really really keen on you know rather than me being the therapist who's just kind of helping people or worst case kind of you know saving people from distress right I really I really want to see super sensitive humans supporting each other yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's and sometimes that can be as simple as having a space like a Facebook group. And it's a free Facebook group, right? You, anyone can join, like there's no charge. And maybe it's as simple as being able to go in there and feel safe about saying, oh, I had a I had a real super sensitive moment today. You know, this person said one thing to me that nobody else was bothered by, but it's hours later and I still feel like I want to fall, I want to collapse on the kitchen floor. And, and to feel safe enough to be able to say that, knowing that nobody is going to come back at you and say, what are you talking about? You just need to get over that, right? Rather, people are going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I totally get it. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you, right? Sometimes that's all we need. Yeah. It's just that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to know that that's not. And, and I think the other thing about, what you're doing well this is my own philosophy right is that we all have the capacity to be super sensitive and that's actually our jobs as human beings is to be super sensitive i mean imagine you know <clears throat> there's a shadow side to it but the the good side is the there's the connection that you get from that incredible sensitivity and the and the information you get and that that's really our jobs is to become more sensitive. It's just that only some of us know it and only some of us have already experienced it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, <clears throat> do we call it the inside joke about super sensitives and tiny brave, right? Is that it is that right now tiny brave is for, for the super sensitive humans because they're the ones who are ready to receive it. But actually this is, for humans this yeah. is just for you, right yes yeah beautiful yeah some of, them, some of them won't get to it for a while yet yeah and actually i remember when one of the things i wrote down about this when we were talking about it before is that this is just natural wisdom taking form right that's yeah, that's what we're talking about is that this is our natural wisdom in form is this and that is what our this the sensitivity is 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 being more and more and more in touch with our own natural wisdom. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's I feel like we've covered a lot tonight and you know haven't even shared all of our crazy stories of, of parallels, but what else, is there anything else? What else, um, what other high points might we have missed that you want to make sure to cover before we wrap up? Hmm. I'm feeling pretty complete. Well, yeah, I, I, so I mean, we pretty much started this conversation with Soulfire, right? Yeah. So yeah. I guess yes, I I guess I want to say that it's so unbelievably sweet. <laughs> I might even cry. <laughs> to so it's it's what, eight years since Sawfire? Yeah. Yep. 
Eight years for us. So, Tiny Brave really feels like my soul's offering yeah. to this world. Yeah. Yeah. Taken, it's taken me to be ready to actually own that <laughs> and and to feel like I'm and to to know that I'm ready to hold it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it does feel incredibly sweet to to offer it because because it's genuinely not about me. Right. And yet it is you. It is and you. Yet, yeah. And yet it is. <laughs> and it's not so much about you, but it is you. Like this is you. This is yeah, your soul taking form. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. And it's having been on this journey with you for this last eight years and both of us going through <laughs> some pretty dark places and struggling and flailing and yeah it's it's really it, it's a fun time now and it's yeah. really beautiful to get to see this like taking shape and coming out yeah 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 it's I'm so excited to be at the fun bit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast and you and I have talked about it a lot that I'm in a similar place with these, finally, what feels like my authentic offerings coming out. And it is cool. It's cool. It's fun to be having fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, we'll, I'll put a link in the um, podcast notes to your, your sign up or, you know, your sign yeah. up for classes uh we'll put the facebook the facebook group is just called tiny brave right it is yeah you can jump on facebook and search for tiny brave and find the group and and uh send me a message about getting in um i'd love to see you in there and yeah if, if this is interesting for you and feeling like it might be useful i'd love to see you in december and we can chew the fat a bit more and uh yeah, see how it goes. <laughs> Yay. Okay, cool. Yeah, all the links will be in the episode notes. And um, and your website is Belinda Joy Noakes, right? N-O-A-K-E-S. Yeah, well, so actually, um, yes, it is. But I'm in transition to probably running everything from tinybrave.com. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Easier for people to remember and find for a start. <laughs> yeah yeah I get that <laughs> all right well thank you so much for telling thank your story you. Oh, thank you for having me it's been a lovely conversation I, I always enjoy these chats with you <laughs> yeah and it's I, I just I think it's so much fun to share um you know because of these parallel journeys and because I just love seeing what you're doing and how it's coming to fruition and uh, what a great time right Sagittarius new moon this is just a perfect time for it mm -hmm. yep 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 good day yeah <laughs> so you know for those of you listening thank you so much for being here and you know if you like this if you like it please share it I don't I'm sure you can rate it um and review it I I can't tell you how and it probably depends on what platform you're listening on 
but at least I'd love to see people share it more and uh, tell all your friends and thank you again for listening. And with that, uh, have a wonderful, happy Sagittarius new moon and get out there and find some opportunities. Yeah. Big love everyone. <laughs> all right. Oh, hang on a sec. I got to hit the right button.